Hello, everyone. This is the uh, Last Dance After Party, Sunday, May 10th, um, episode four here. My name is Abbas Dadwala, joined by Nick Kanzanari and Natalie Berzek. No Charlie Bevins again. And uh, we decided to not invite a non-Chicago fan this week <laughs> after that fiasco last week with Rudy Hodgson. He will no longer be appearing on this, uh, on this podcast ever again. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you know, look, this is a Chicago-themed, Michael Jordan-themed podcast, and and yeah, yeah, Natalie's got her Chicago flag, and we won't take any hate. Rudy said two things last week that were disrespectful, uncalled for, disgusting. Uh, they were untrue, and uh, I'm just we, thinking about his reaction when he's going to hear this. We we just won't stand for that here, and I think you know we'll we'll probably just take this one segment and and push it on social media to make sure Rudy hears it, to make sure everyone hears it, to make sure everybody knows that um, we're a Chicago-based station. We're Chicago-based people. Management for, uh, what, like three of the five people on the management team are Chicago-based. Two. A lot of our staff is Chicago-based, so um, we don't care about We're actually, Abbas, we're actually outnumbered. Are we? In management, Yes. I mean, Charlie's from Chicago originally, or from from the Chicago land area. Let let's be, let's be polite. Charlie actually, Charlie counts. Charlie counts. Or, yeah. Or should he just be a half? No, he counts. I think he counts. No, he counts. He counts. He counts. He counts. His teams are all Chicago teams. He he he. I think he Not follows basketball. the Bulls. He follows the Bulls more than he follows the Blazers. I follow the Blazers more than Charlie follows the Blazers. This is a basketball show. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. Anyways, basketball, basketball. Um, you know, the one thing that really stood out to me and one thing that made me, I mean, it, it, it's, there were a couple things that happened in this episode that kind of made me sad. But the one thing that made me real sad was um, when uh, he was, when Jordan was shooting Space Jam and, and they had that, that open gym set up where they have all these players coming in playing for two, three hours at night. Um, and then, like, B.J. Armstrong had a really good quote. It was just like, you know, this is the best basketball we've played. It was, it was amazing playing, like, that two, three hours at night. That made me sad. I want to play basketball. <laughs> I want to play basketball. I'll do well, anything actually, to get on a court right now. <laughs> that actually kind of reminded me, though, of – I mean, they were talking about how, like, it was just pickup games, like no, like they're calling the fouls, no like strict rules, whatever. It actually kind of reminded me about how people reacted to this year's All-Star game in that it was a lot more, especially the fourth quarter, a lot more pickup style. And that was, it just like brought it back, like that at the, at the true heart of it all, like they, they just want to play and, and watching like, him being followed so closely and all like this wasn't even a big part of the whole of either episode but there's just like a moment where he was walking through the tunnel and I just see a fan pat him on the back and in my head I was like I would hate that I would hate all these people like trying to touch and like paw at me all day like that's my worst nightmare <laughs> you know like, they just want to play it's funny that it's exact moment I was like you think Jordan's going to get annoyed and be like, you guys need to set a rule where nobody can touch me and I'm walking through the, the, the tunnel. Cause like, yeah, that's really annoying. And he had no reaction. Mm-hmm. He's just, no reaction. It. but that like yeah, grosses I, me out. 
I don't I don't think he minded it. It's like, you know, to a certain extent, I think he did because in last week, you know, he was like, uh, uh, when he was in the hotel saying like, you know, he just needs like a couple minutes to himself or whatever. But it's like, you know, and then when he got out there, you know, he, he knew he was such a big figure. Like, and he would, you know, he didn't care. He would, I mean, there was a clip where uh, I think he was in uh, spring training, but he's literally stopping traffic. And that little kid is gets out of his yeah. car and he signs an autograph for him. And you can hear people honking. And it's like, you know, it, he's just, he's blocking traffic just to sign autographs. So, I mean, he, he made time for everyone, which I think is crazy because like you're saying, Natalie, like if you're in that position, like, I mean, would you do all this? Would you, you know, give up so much of your time for your fans and, and let them, you know, touch you and ask for autographs and all that stuff? It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly. It's like, uh, I think he gets such a bad rap. But like, I mean, we've talked about it before. I think this documentary is going to change that for sure. And I think the one thing, I think we're all going to talk about it, but like all the emotion in these two episodes, especially with like, you know, starting that first one where they talk about him losing his father, everything that happened. And then uh, another thing that makes me just shake my head so much. uh, We've had so many instances like you know they say a bad day for journalism talk about an talk about another bad day for journalism I mean, we had one just earlier Hi. this year where when kobe passed away and then it's like you know like people like the day of day after talking about conspiracy theories i mean like that's yeah. just that it, it makes me sad it makes me sad as like a, a wannabe journalist that yeah, like i literally people who have the training made that type of mistake to like speculate like that yeah, I turned to my family and I was like, they thought that was a bad day for journalism at the time. Like, they didn't know it was coming because that's exactly what my sister said. I was like, that was a bad day for journalism. She's like, well, you know, for the time. And I was like, yeah, but if they were to just fast forward, like, that was the biggest catastrophe. Like, I talked about that in, in every single class after it happened, whether it was about sports or journalism or completely unrelated. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's a shame, too, because, like, I feel like I see it uh, getting a little broader. I see it so much in, like, TV news now that it's, like, I mean, there's so much stuff said that isn't just reporting. And I don't, I, I really, I just don't, I don't like it them. I don't like it because I don't think it's yeah. real, I don't think it's real journalism. And this is just an example of, like, you can't, you can't be theorizing. If you're a journalist, if you're a reporter, you got to know that everything you say has to be backed up by a source, backed up by facts, backed up by numbers, not backed up by some dude said this and now everyone's saying it. It's just, it's headline grabs, you know, just to get a story out there. So people are, you know, reading your work or whatever, you know, like today you put something on Twitter, you know, so you get the the views and all that, but it's, it's crazy. It is a, a dark, cloudy shameful day for journalists everywhere when when stuff like that happens because it's just it's just bad journalistic practices and just bad journalistic integrity i think and it it gives everyone a bad look absolutely but i mean i think like the surroundings uh sorry natalie go ahead no i you finish yours because i'm gonna go into what i thought was the most the biggest takeaway 
Yeah, I was going to transition a little bit just into more of that, like, everything that was going on with uh, Jordan at the time. I mean, like, the the ability to, like, I mean, work, go through that whole narrative and still go back, play baseball, come back to the NBA, still have all these whispers for years and years and years, and then seeing all that emotion after the after the 96 win, it's like, I mean, it, it, it's it's hard to watch. It's sad to watch. Yeah, and I mean, you touched on his father earlier, and going into this one, they were kind of getting like into his gambling problem at the end of number five. So going into this one and hearing the rumors all week that, like my dad had mentioned that he read somewhere like people were shocked that he released the footage that was going to be used tonight. So I knew that there was going to be something about his dad. And you say that, like you even say about us, there's whispers years and years after it's traveled 20 years because I was always under the impression that his dad's murder did have something to do with his problem. And again, that was just what I had known. That was what I had heard. And this disproving it like is so necessary because not only does he, not only is it like his word, like, yeah, he can say his word, but to see him go into the journalism side of it and to see him saying they just wanted any to use anything to attack me was a whole other side of it that I didn't even think about. Yeah, and I'm happy that like when when I was when I learned about this, it wasn't through that like that narrative. Um, I just feel like every time I hear it, I'm just like, that's just such a like a. It's like sure, have your conspiracy theories. I it's love just some a of these cheap shot. Yeah, I love some basketball conspiracy theories that like the 2009 draft lottery was rigged and all that kind of <laughs> crap. But like if you're if you're talking about like a secret gambling thing got his father killed. That's like, I mean, that's kind of crossing a line. That's crossing a couple lines. And I, I just don't, there's no facts behind it. And I think this documentary did an amazing job of disproving any type of theory behind it. But by having the, the, the interview with his friend, uh, it's that too. And then having I know, Michael talking himself, I think that, kind of, that really disproves it. I was talking to my family that I had never heard that rumor that he was like secretly suspended. I didn't know anything about that. And like my mom didn't even know anything about that because I'm sitting there watching it with both my parents. And I think, you know, my dad has always paid like more attention to sports, but like my mom had never heard a whisper about that. My dad was like, yeah, I like vaguely remember it. But again, that was something because I also, for some reason, thought that he went to baseball after he was completely done with basketball. I didn't realize that he left in the middle. So I didn't know anything about that whole timeline of that, like, alleged suspension and him leaving. Yeah, and I I think, like, I mean, there was another person who talked about it as well. It's like, uh, why why would David Stern, someone who's been so amazing for the league, who really brought the league out of, nobody really caring to being the most up and coming, probably the best league in the nation. Um, Why would you secretly suspend the best thing your sport has ever had? I like, it's just so, it's just, it's, it's, it's so silly. It's It's so dumb. It doesn't make any sense. It's just another way for people to hate him. 
yeah. or to try to hate him. And I, I mean, I, I just, I think great credit to the people who made to ESPN to Netflix for kind of destroying that conspiracy. Exactly. I was just going to say that about it's, it's the people who wanted to tear MJ down. You know, they're just grasping at straws, trying to, you know, concoct these conspiracy theories that just hold no water whatsoever. Just trying to take a shot at Michael. And, and I agree. I see, I had heard about the, uh, you know, the secret suspension, or whatever, and I never really believed it, but part of me thought, well, I mean, maybe it's possible but after watching you know that episode there's there's no doubt in my mind now that it's just completely erroneous big word there that 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 was what happened i just it's so it's make-believe land folks i mean honestly that's my take i mean yeah i don't think there's anything more we can say about it uh but um Let's go around real quick. What were your like main takeaways? We kind of got, I kind of, I let, I let it get carried away after my takeaway, but how about for, for the two of you? Well, for me, all, you know, every night I've been waiting for these, I've been waiting for these, these practice footages because I had heard, uh, especially about the, the whole Scott Perel segment. And I had heard MJ was like, you know, he's, he thought people would, you know, not like him after this no i have more love and more appreciation for a player i never even saw live but i have i have no room in my life for anyone who ever wants to come at michael calling him the demar DeRozan of the 90s get out of here with that garbage his his mentality and his competitiveness and his just drive and determination are just unbelievable. And I really like when he said, you know, he never asked any of, any of his teammates to do anything that he himself didn't do. And, and he had to push, you know, he had to push his teammates. It's like, you know, he wanted to get them ready for, you know, going up against the Knicks or the bad boys Pistons. He was doing what needed to be done to win. He's a winner. Plain and simple. MJ is a winner. And nothing will ever change that. No one has... I, lo- I love MJ. Yeah, no one has that, like, amount of notoriety and, like, championships under their belt in any sport. I mean, how many World Series did Jeter win in that run in the 2000s? Not six, right? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I but I, again, and I feel like this is obviously there's the debate all the time over who's better between him and LeBron. But I feel like even when you do try and compare between sports, like I feel like MJ was still pretty universally liked as opposed to Jeter. You know what I mean? Like I feel like the country didn't embrace Derek Jeter in the way that they did Michael Jordan. Because again, seeing all of this and really absorbing the timeline in a way that I never knew that it was makes me like, he really came from nothing. Like he really, like he, again, he probably thought he was going to play baseball. Like he played baseball for however long. And again, like we've been seeing, he wasn't always the best at basketball. Like it was inside of him and he really pushed it within himself and like 
worked his way up from literally nothing. So I think people appreciate that a lot more as like a great American sports success story. Mm-hmm. It's it's tough to kind of you know it's all it's all hypotheticals really you know MJ LeBron because we'll we'll there will never be a definitive answer but you know people look at stats and you know they point out LeBron's better than this Jordan's better than this and you know you could go back and forth all day but at the end of the day there's just a an aura uh, a legend surrounding Jordan that I just think it it makes him just so much more intriguing and his whole brand and he's just a legend. That, that's the use, uh, one of the words I would use to describe Jordan. He's just legendary. All the, you know, six and oh in the finals, never went to game seven. He, there's just all these iconic moments that he has just compiled up in it that uh, just makes him just uh, a legend. You know, he's like, in a sense, he's like the Dark Knight almost, you know, just this kind of mythic figure that patrolled the Chicago Stadium and then the United Center that vanquished the enemies, you know, night in and night out. So, you know, that's my comparison. If you're going to do any MJ comparisons, it's MJ and Batman. And that's it. Wow, Ken's changing the narrative. I, I, I don't think it gets any better than what Cans just said. That was amazing. <laughs> Start the movement. <laughs> I think they, they talked a lot about like this, like, are you, was he a nice guy and his leadership style? So it's like, can you be that dominant and be a nice guy at the same time? Can you have that type of leadership style? And I guess that's what kind of like puts him aside from anyone else we've ever seen. Where it's like, I don't think anybody has, I don't think we've seen an athlete like him with like all this, like, I mean, he's so much more than just a basketball player, but then everything revolves around the game. I mean, like, I feel like that, there was a really good quote by Will Perdue. It's like, he was talking about like, yeah, we, we, we didn't like him. He was kind of a jerk or he, he wasn't a nice guy a lot of the time. He crossed the line a lot. But like at, at the end of the day, we he he did whatever it took to win and his leadership style was effective, something like that. I thought that was amazing. That was such a good quote. And I think it kind of I, I think Ken, you were saying it earlier that it like we have that we hear it all the time that like, oh, he's such a jerk. Like people say, like, oh, he was a jerk, he wasn't a good guy. But it's like I think this gives you some like context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, what are what are all athletes you know not just basketball players but you know professional athletes at the end of the day they're all there to win and i think you know a lot of players from uh you know that 90s decade they would they would be so happy to you know be on the bulls and get you know berated by mj if it meant you know they got championship because at the end of the day it's all about winning and mj as i said before he's a winner plain and simple he went out and he won and he was you know honest about you know how he would go about to win um we're you know we're kind of seeing it now with all the the little motivation he would give himself i mean it's just insane little sidetrack you know the whole uh all that one player Bradford smith i think he made up the story that he you know came up patted him on the shoulder and said nice game mike 
and then he went out and you know matched his uh, game high in the first half. He's just he's crazy to a certain extent, but he knew what had to be done to win, and that's what everybody's there for, you know. And I mean, there's this whole question of is he a good guy, which is all relative and it's all based on how you see him. But I had this conversation about how, like, he has such a dominant grasp on how he controls his own privacy and he controls his own image in the public eye. Again, all of this footage couldn't be released without his permission. Like, again, and he's controlling the narrative around it. Like, yeah, there's, you know, producers and editors hard at work, but in the end, this is like his vision of it because if you think about like if all this footage like say someone caught footage of him punching Steve Kerr in the face during that practice and it just got leaked he would never let that happen he was not going to let that happen because he had such a great grasp over how the public saw him and how he controls the own narrative around himself and even from that 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 interaction with Steve Kerr you see how like the fact that he called him and he apologized and then they said that they have so much more mutual respect for each other after that. Phil Jackson has talked about it before about like that mutual respect that those, the two of them gained from that. It's like, it kind of shows you just like what type of a team they were. And even just like when he, uh, when he came back, what he was talking about after the season, that's like everybody needs to start, you know, all these guys are, are coming, like joining the bulls after the championships acting like they've like gone through this. And then he had some, MJ had some incredible quotes in that interview where he's like, some of bringing them back to reality, uh, showing them what it actually means to win. Uh, I think that was just such an amazing thing to watch. And it kind of like speaks into his ability to be a leader. Um, I also wanted to talk about um, the Scottie Pippen thing with uh, the, the final shot, him getting mad and sitting down. Um, I think Phil Jackson talked about it in his book as well. I think if you make a bingo thing, I feel like a boss mentioning Phil Jackson's book would be there like eight <laughs> times. Uh, but uh, it's a great book, though. It's, oh, dude, it's an amazing book. But and like he talks about like Bill Cartwright and Bill Cartwright's speech, and like what type of leadership role Bill Cartwright had on the team. I mean, I don't, they didn't really have time to go into it uh, in in the documentary, but it's like I think that carried so much weight, and it's like it's still like unbelievable till this to this day even after watching the documentary and seeing this what they put together for it that like it happened and then how quickly it kind of faded and how they were able to come back together so quickly I feel like if somebody did that in today's game like if Kawhi decided to sit out of possession you gotta you gotta assume that he's not playing the next game and he's not playing again for that team ever yeah I mean you even see it in like Colin Kaepernick, like his whole career destroyed over, you know, a simple decision to, you know, stand up for what he believes in. And again, Scotty was standing up for himself saying, I don't think this play or whatever is fair. And it bit him in the butt because obviously like you're taught to listen to your coach and your coach knows best and it worked out in the end for them. So I feel like it was almost a wake up call for Scotty because it was almost like, Hey, we won anyway, like swallow your pride. Mm -hmm. And like, even like, I mean, like when Rondo did it, when he was on the Mavericks a couple of years ago, that like little stint that everyone seems to forget about 
where it's like in that playoff game, he like took that eight second violation and like he just didn't seem into it. And like you saw the fallout from that. He was never the same ever again after that. Um, but it's like, I mean, I, I guess that just give us another reason for why Phil Jackson's the best head coach of all time. He didn't react to that with anger and suspend Pippen and not let him play. They just talked. He let the players talk to him, and the next thing they came out, next game they came out and they won, and they won the series. Which, like, I mean, that that's just amazing. I mean, that, that's like a coaching masterpiece. Phil Jackson, and we've said this plenty of times, he's the coaching goat. He's a leader of men um, that I would love to to play for. But I, and I also think, Scotty, you know, they kind of mention how, like, he, he regrets it, you know, it, it, he would do things differently. Um, but it is such like an iconic moment from that whole run where the guy who probably, sh- you know, should have been uh, getting the, the play drawn from him doesn't. And yeah, just sits out like it's, it's crazy. And kind of when, uh, to your point about, you know, if that happened today, I mean, could you imagine like if social media was around back then and that happened, I mean, it, it, you know, like it, all the all the stuff we're saying, you know, the the blowback, and he'd probably never play for the team again. It's just crazy to think that how back then they were able to, you know, just get in the locker room, you know, talk it out, and get right back the next day and go play. Yeah, I mean, they said it probably hurt his reputation over time, but like, I mean, that's that's a great point. If social media was around then, and. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people are seeing it trending then it's like you know would that would it have played out the same way we couldn't know I I don't think it would have I think I think the repercussions would have been a lot worse uh but I mean it's it's amazing uh how that played out uh is there anything else that y'all want to mention from these two episodes um I thought this these were I mean for me it's gotten better every single week and once again, these were, these were, I mean, these were the best that we've seen so far in my mind. These, these I was just going to say, these two might have been my favorite. Yeah, I still, I, I think they get better every time, but I still love the, the one that was like focused on Rodman for the most part. I just think he's like the best character in all of this. Like, like so I watched some of this footage of him and I'm like, how, are, how were you? A real person even still today like with his interviews that he does recently but they do keep getting better and more shocking and I almost am in the camp of at the end of the last one like he's just gonna make some big announcement like I don't even know in what sense but I just feel like like they keep saying every week like this this footage in the next one is going to be unbelievable and unprecedented and I just think like how can you not end this on a huge bang yeah yeah I, I mean I'm I, I I mean next week we gotta wait one week and uh I I mean the ending is going to be so amazing but it's going to be sad at the same time um yeah I I will say I think I feel like they could have spent more time on um on like that intermission when, when he isn't with the team and the teams without him, they kind of went through it pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I almost wonder if they're going to revisit that, but at the same time, I feel like for the sake of organization, you would want to keep all of the, yeah. 
like baseball related stuff in one or at least in the two that like air together yeah because i feel like the next one is gonna totally go over the 96 97 and i feel like we didn't get any jerry krauss hate in in these two which is a first other than the intro i feel like they get less like the first one had the most berating of him yeah, he he did have the you know the stupid opening line in episode seven where he's like, "There's no backstabbing going on here." Yeah, the guy just talks himself deeper and deeper into the grave every time he speaks. But that was that was pretty much it, though. Yeah, yeah, no, but I'm I'm really looking forward to these next two. Uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, Natalie, there's going to be something really big, and I, I just can't wait because it, it's just going to be so much fun. Um, at the same, it's going to be sad at the same time. It feels like a playoff series is ending or like an entire, like the, it feels like the playoffs are ending and then we don't have anything to look forward to after that. Yeah. Cause like, mm-hmm. I mean, once last dance, last dance is over, it's like, well, what are we going to have to look forward to before sports start up? UFC. Well, the Sosa McGuire one is going to air in June. That's true. We got a home run chase of 98. Nothing will nothing. I don't think, I mean, I haven't seen a documentary, a sports documentary as well done as this one has been ever. I don't think we've ever seen a documentary like this. No. Cause I mean, there's been like single, like movie length ones, you know, we saw with like Derek Rose and then there's been like, part or episode ones like the Aaron Hernandez Netflix one was three parts but this is wild but you need all of it you need 10 hours out of it you can't breeze through a story like this yeah I mean we're talking about the one of the most influential athletes of all time maybe like Michael Jordan Muhammad Ali I mean who else can uh, I sorry I think I kind of cut you off there no no I was just gonna say it felt like because of the situation, you know, with like no sports going on. And so like there was a lot of hype surrounding this uh, documentary, but I think it's lived up to it. And for me personally, it's exceeded expectations. Cause again, you know, I never got to see him live and you know, all my MJ knowledge is through like YouTube clips, but it's just so well done. And I just sit on the couch and absorb every single second of the documentary it goes by so fast too like i find myself watching it there's a commercial and i like look at my phone and it's oh my god it's like 45 minutes in already i'm like time flies but it's it's so well done yeah i mean i i don't think i don't think we're getting any any better than this uh till we get like a kobe one and even then nobody is i mean like mj is mj um the amount is, that, of- is that is that Rudy up there that I see talking about talking about Kobe in our last dance review? Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna text you as soon as he gets done listening to this. He's not gonna be happy. <laughs> that's a, that's all right. Look, we're we're completely fine with that, Rudy. We want you to hear this. I'm gonna leave this part in just so you can hear it. Uh, we love you, but um, <laughs> if you ever disrespect us again, you're not gonna hear the end of it. <laughs> This is going to do it for, uh, what, episode four of The Last Dance After Party. Uh, Thank you for listening, and uh, 
Be sure to tune in one last time next week. Hopefully Charlie Bevins will be back. But uh, thank you for listening.